begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve. With me, as always, is Jesse. What's up, Jesse? It is a beautiful day, and I'm ready for this. It's a little chilly for me, but uh, that's because I don't like cold. So I do. <laughs> we got a really good episode going on today. Uh, a couple of fun things to talk about. Some Red Bull Straight Rhythm event this weekend. And uh, we're going to get into a little bit of a what is going to be controversial topic. And no, it is not about the Supercross Motocross Media. Uh, but first, let's get to some spots. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram where we share race highlights and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, visit our website, www.powerthenumber2theground.com, where you can check out some merch and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. The Red Bull Straight Rhythm, I have, I'm going to be honest, I've never seen it. I've never watched it. I didn't really even know that it was a thing outside of just in passing until this weekend. Um, oh, I mean, we had we had uh, prepped it a little bit Yep. Um, in the past few weeks, but I actually sat down, we watched it, and what an awesome, fun event that was. It's so much fun. This is my, so this is my third time watching it. Um, it's always such a fun event. But what they did this year a little bit differently was um, they uh, they they started playing around with the theme. They started bringing in, um, you know, they brought in Travis Pastrana, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Uh, it's just, it's such a fun event. And you can see on, like, some of these uber competitive riders, like Ken Roxon, for example, you can see him just get a little bit outside of his shell, and he smiles a little bit, which is not usually the case. When he just had so much fun, he was having so much fun, and it was it was great to see. Um, and for him and his confidence, you know, doing something like that is uh, it's probably very much needed for, especially for an off season uh, practice. Well, the fact, and you know, spoiler alert, but you know, the fact that he won the whole thing, I think, helps too. Uh, you know, I think even if he didn't win. Uh, he would have been like, okay, cool, whatever, because he was just having so much fun. But then you put in a win under his belt. He took down the, you know, the whole field and yep. uh, heart 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 raft um, was flying. Like he was almost undefeated even in in like one off races that whole time. Right. Um, and Roxon just took his took him down, and yeah. then he took down the only guy that was doing that super crazy yeah the quad, triple quad the triple, triple quad triple rhythm that gave him a huge advantage, and Roxon took him down because he was just flat out the fastest guy anytime you touch the whoops you had to have like a three bike length lead on Roxon going into the whoops if you were going to beat him yeah he was unbelievable i think the only person that i saw in the whoops that was faster than him was at the the very beginning of the day villapoto was just absolutely cruising through the whoop section he couldn't put the rest of the track together right <laughs> but well, so that's actually you know speaking of just uh uh fun and you know just being happy so Roxon obviously a a current competitor who's had a really rough stretch the past few years but also who um just really let it loo- let loose and had some fun this weekend but Ryan Villapoto um you and I both so we gained a little bit of weight yep. clearly he's not putting in the training but he looks so much happier 
Yeah, he looks like a, that he's a retired. Happier, happier person. Like I remember watching him in interviews, and he looked he had he looked like Bill Belichick, like all the time. He was just stern. He never smiled. He looked like he always just hated his life. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna do this because I'm not gonna do anything else. And he's even said in a few of those, in a few of those like one-off interviews things when they were talking about going for four in a row, um, how much he hated the training part of it, the grind. He did not enjoy the grind. And you know, when you're normally when you're trying to be the best at something, you almost have to enjoy the grind because it's the only way to get through the grind and be the best. Someone like Tom Brady, um, Brady will tell you for most of his career, he loves the grind. He loves the hard work. Um, because that's what makes him better. Villapoto did not. He couldn't stand it, and he said as much. And he was like, "I'll quit tomorrow. I don't care." He didn't do it for the love of the sport. He just did it because he was one of the best ever. At right, it. and uh, that had to have been his only motivator. Because like, you got to think about it. It's like, how if you're not enjoying what you're doing, how do you push yourself to be the best? But he did. He and did. So I think and that you're like scratching you, your head. How can you imagine now? Had he enjoyed? The rest of it, right? Too, as well as being what I like. I just that he's such an enigma, and I think any sport, but particularly this one. But he does. He looks great now that he's retired. He was laughing, joking, smiling. Um, I think he just went out there and had fun too. Yep. Um, but it's just crazy, you know. I, again, being my first event, like this is a dirt bike drag race. Yeah, basically. it's 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 so much like it's just a straight up dirt bike drag race. No turns, you know. Um, no laps or anything it's just you start you do your rhythm as fast as you can you get to the end before the other guy and like i do it's just such a cool concept and it was it was definitely a lot of fun to watch yeah absolutely i'll be looking forward to especially who the all of the riders so i have to admit i fell into this trap because i haven't been this excited for this event prior to this year so like i said this is my third year um watching it but the difference this year, all of the riders were hyping this up so much. It was like the second that motocross ended, everybody was like, all right, got to start like, prepping my two-stroke. Screw motocross stroke. and nations because U.S. sucks at motocross and nations. Right. Let's start looking for – yeah, so there was the two-stroke rule, yep. right? Everybody had to be on two-strokes, um, which leveled the playing field a little bit. Um, the throwbacks were were crazy because like, and then you have to you have to know that for a large part of people, the nostalgia is a big part of what played into what made this so awesome. Was right. just the throwback, the names, you know, guys wearing the names of jerseys of people that came before. Roxon was re- repping McGrath, which it's kind of fitting when you think about it. Um, actually, Cooper Webb too yep. uh, had McGrath's number, obviously, and his name. So Cooper Webb was doing it. Um, what I found interesting was. And this just kind of tells you the uh, this guy. There was somebody repping, repping the old school Travis Pastrana 199 with the Pastrana colors and the yellow <laughs> Suzuki. But Pastrana was also there riding in the event. <laughs> so, that was really like, funny. I mean, we were watching Pastrana when we were kids. Right. You know, and and we, it was funny because we, we had mentioned and they kind of mentioned it the two. Like he was such a icon and a legend and he never really won anything right. it was the way I mean, freestyle that he, he did, did he was obviously a, a phenomenal freestyle rider but that was never really a huge interest of mine i was a big big racing guy but for some reason you couldn't help but love travis pastrani which is this daredevil like just fun loving crazy adrenaline junkie of a rider that you just everyone gravitated towards yep and you mention his name now 20 some you know years later 
And you still go, oh, crap, Travis Pastrana's going to be there? Dude, we got to watch this. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so Bowers, Bowers, who I can't, I'm pretty sure he won it last year. And, um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So Bowers won it last year. And the reason why Pastrana was there is because Bowers, uh, Bowers built this bike that he's calling the unit. It's this, uh, I think they said a 96 KLR 500 um, two-stroke that he's like, he's created this whole like marketing campaign behind and he was just really excited about it and he wanted to race it in, in straight rhythm, but everybody was saying, no, we don't want you to race it in straight rhythm. It's not fair because you've got twice as much horsepower. And he's like, well, why don't you race a 500 too then? I just want to race my 500. I don't care if I get an advantage or not. I just want to, I just want to race this bike. And he was like, oh, so what do I do now? And the only option he could come up with was calling out Travis. I guess Travis Pastrana is probably man enough. He'll probably get on a 500 and do this. And with sure me. enough, they were yeah. the only two on the 500s. They did it like the, they call it the 500 shootout. It wasn't much of a tournament. It was just the two of them in a shootout. It was just two of them in a shootout. And man, it, it made the whole thing worth it. All of it. it had had nothing else been excited about that exciting about that event. That little shootout was so much fun because Travis Pastrana did Travis Pastrana things. Yes, he did. <laughs> so he won. So that was the best of three. Yep. He won the first one um, by like a hair, by just completely opening up, grabbing a handful into that final whoop section. Yep. And then lost the next two. But he did his backflip in the middle of the race in every single one All of those. All three of them. All three of them. And still kept it close. Like, can you imagine? Like, right. And then when they interviewed him at the end, I thought that was the best. He was like, no, I, I didn't do it for style points. Really what it was, that that jump was just so steep, it was just more comfortable for me to just lean back and do a backflip into <laughs> you know it. What? He's probably not even lying. Like, he's, he's like, you know what? I know what this feels like. Let me just go ahead and do this backflip. And the last time he did it, it was actually smooth, and he really didn't lose much time he on didn't. it. He didn't. No, I'm actually, um, be, it was so smooth, I'm surprised that he lost that last one. But right. Bowers was just on it. Bowers was on it. And well, that was funny in the interviews afterwards. Bowers said, "Like I, you know, this guy, like I'm over here trying my balls off in these races, and he's doing backflips next to me and still keeping it close." <laughs> and that, but that is why Travis Pastrana, despite having won very little in the in the professional realm, is such an iconic, legendary figure. That right. is why 20 years later, people say Travis Pastrana, and you're like, "I'm watching this." Right. I was. I, like I said, I've never watched one, and I was kind of interested. But obviously, for the podcast, I was going to do some research. But as soon as I heard that Pastrana was in it, I'm on. I'm on board. I'm going right. to watch this. And he wasn't even like one of my favorite riders. He's just such a polarized, not even polarized, magnetizing right. figure. And it and it's because a lot of what Pastrana does is counterculture, and it's yeah. in, in the the culture of motocross, supercross, all of that. It is function over form 100 percent of the time. And Pastrana was the exact opposite of that. It was form over function. Always. Style points. It was always style points. It was always about style points. And, you know, if there is a dirt bike rider who represents the 90s, so the whole thing was the 90s theme, right, with the whole throwback thing, all the 90s colors and all this other stuff. Um, If there is a rider on two wheels who represents the 90s. It's McGrath. McGrath and Pastrana are that are it those, right? You can I mean yeah. I think you could make an argument for either because even though McGrath was is the king of Supercross, uh, Pastrana might have been a more mainstream culturally recognizable name. Yeah, because of his freestyle and his you know kind of the other crazy the backflips like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
backflip in the middle, in the middle of, of a race. race. <laughs> in the middle of a race. Oh, man. So uh, what a great event. And, you know, the last the last little thing about the straight rhythm, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go on Red Bull TV, look up on YouTube. Yeah, really, Red Bull, really. RedBull.com, they have it up there. You can watch the replay of it at any point. Um, just go check it out if you're if you're bored. You wanna you wanna get some dirt bike, and if you haven't already, you're missing out. It was just a super fun event. And actually, if you want to, if you're a little bit more of a serious kind of a, a Supercross fan, um, there's a few things you can take away from this event. To be honest with me, yeah. And uh, there are are I'm gonna go with the two big big things that I feel like I could take away if you wanted to talk seriously about because none of these guys, other than Hansen. Who took this way too seriously and was way, too, way seriously. too seriously. Everybody else was smiling and having a good time. Pierce Brown, the amateur kid, or just left amateurs. This was like his first competitive professional level event. Yep. Um, finished technically, I guess, fourth because he lost to Hanson in the in the, the third place uh, shootout. Right. That kid's going to be a stud. Look out, Justin Cooper, because he was smooth. Through all of those rhythm sections, which I don't know if you know this, but Supercross is a lot of obstacles and rhythm sections. Yep. If he can if he can smooth out through corners like he did on that, he's gonna be he's gonna be a future champion for yeah. sure. That kid looked great. Yeah, the uh, the I gotta say, you know, I was totally totally sidetracked here, but you just said Justin Cooper, and it got me on a on another tangent. I'm really looking forward to 250 Supercross just because. I mean, I know Cianci Rulo's gone, but we get Forkner back. Um, you said Forkner's looked Forkner amazing, right? apparently is looking amazing So all right the reports now. are saying he's, yeah. he's super fast. Yeah, 250s are going to look good. And if this kid, this kid appears Brown, has the kind of, a, you know, like amateur, or not amateur, rookie season that like a Justin Cooper had, you could, you're looking at a really, yeah. really good year of, of, of 250s. Yeah, 250s. yeah there, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really talented riders coming up that are just Jet, I'm yeah. Looking forward to seeing Jet, Jet and Hunter, Jet and Hunter. Yeah, you know, and and so I definitely. This is actually the first time in a lot of years that I can remember that I looked forward to the 250s as much as the 450. Like right. the 250s were always just one of those watch it to hold me over. You know, sometimes you get some good racing and you can see the future, but there's actually going to be some competitive good racing this year, and that's exciting. All right, and let's digress. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing, you know, the only other thing about the Red Bull straight rhythm I wanted, if, again, if you wanted to talk about takeaways, Pierce Brown was one of them. Really impressive as a young kid. Got a bright future. Gonna, gonna just remember that name, Pierce Brown. You heard it here first. Second, because the Red Bull straight rhythm was first. Uh, <laughs> Pierce Brown. And the other thing was just, um, I think an event like this could have worked wonders for Ken Roxon. Yes. Confidence is there because he won it. Right. Holy crap. I had fun and I won. Two things that clearly he hasn't been able to put into the same sentence right. <laughs> you know, for, for a couple of years now. He had a blast. He was loose. He didn't put, have to push too hard, but he won. Um, and then, you know, maybe just one of those kind of weekends where he, like, he, he finds that, that rhythm, that groove that he kind of needed and he has been missing of, I am one of the fastest riders in this, in this circuit. And, um, I've just got to put it together. I've just got to put yeah. it together. And uh, it was really interesting. Is I, I mean, even it's it's a straight track, but really what he's got to what he worked on getting prepared for this is a lot of the same mechanics that he's got to work exactly. on for Supercross. And yeah, just just having success doing that, it's got to do wonders for his confidence. And um, he is he is among one of those riders where 
where confidence is just paramount. Like somebody like Tomac, Tomac's just going to be Tomac. He doesn't care the result of his last race. No, the confidence helps matter. for Tomac. He can get in his own head, but he's going to be fast regardless. Right. Um, and I, I don't the the confidence for for Tomac is very different. If I feel like the the confidence factor for him starts in the middle of the race rather than with with uh, somebody like Roxon where it starts pro- like pre-race. Yeah. Like he well, if he gets in his own head, ah, I wasn't feeling great at practice right. this week, yeah. all that stuff, he's not winning that race. Right. The race is over before it even starts. Um, whereas Tomac can crumble under pressure towards the end of a race if somebody is actually riding on his level. Right. Which, you know, Let's see if somebody can do that. I hope somebody can, just to make it interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see if Tomac actually wins the championship. I'll tell you how year. I feel about Tomac coming up at this point. Remember, I've told you, I've said a few times, I've come completely full circle. I don't care if he's got competition. I don't care if he wins, if he wraps this Supercross championship up with four races left in the season. I know that doesn't make for great racing. I get it, all that stuff. I just want to see him put it together. Because I have so much respect for him as a rider and his talent and his his drive and his work. Um, and just how fast he goes is so impressive. Like, I love seeing that this dude can start 16th, 17th and win a race by a mile. Right. It's just unbelievable. So I want to see him put it together because I want to put his name in the conversation that we're about to have among the greatest riders of all time. Yep. And I, I, I want his name to be there. Because I feel like he deserves it, but he's not gonna get there until he wins one. So I don't care if he how soon he wraps it up. I want to see him just wreck this season, <laughs> personal at a personal level, so that when we come back next year and do what we're about to do, as far as riders of all time, um, we can actually include and not just um, you know what if right. Tomax plays in that list, and that list is a um, greatest riders of all time list that we're gonna get into right after we take a quick break. So we're going to qualify this a little bit. So uh, once again, check out the Red Bull Straight Rhythm if you didn't get a chance. Really fun event. Um, but let's be honest, it was just a it was just a off-season, cool, fun little thing. Yep. What we want to talk about is something we have teased probably since the end of the outdoor season about, oh, one of these weeks we'll have time because it's an outdoor, you know, it, uh, it's an off-season. Um, greatest riders of all time. So talking a little bit about it before this this podcast you know when I, you and I decided that it was going to be difficult to do this um in like this grand motocross riders of all time scale because we do not count international cuz you and I have not watched international races right and you and I are both 32 years old which means that anybody that was before like middle of Jeremy McGrath's career <laughs> It's probably not going to be on this list for us, and it's simply because we can't – we didn't watch them. We can't – I'm not trying to tell you that Bob Hanna isn't one of the greatest writers of all time. He he is by all accounts that I've read ever, um, but I can't say from what I've seen with my eyes that he is because I never watched him race. So the qualifiers for this conversation, they are going to be an American, American writers um, because that's what we know. They are Supercross – and motocross, indoors, outdoors are both being included in this list. So McGrath is not number one. <laughs> um, and actually, one of these lists might be a little bit different than people might expect too. Um, and generational. So really, let's be honest. And, and 
if you're a little bit of an older fan listening to this and you have a completely disagree with this, this list because we left off Ward and Hannah, um, we are not disqualifying, but we're not including anybody before Jeremy McGrath's time in the 90s, right? Because yep. like, that's really when you and I started watching seriously. So, um, any yeah, other qualifiers? I think that's I think that's yeah, all the qualifiers. Yeah, I think that's right? I think that's the qualifiers. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what I did. Um, I posted the list. Uh, it's actually Steve's my Steve's list? top five list because on, my list is better. <laughs> I posted Steve's top five list on our Facebook page. So, if you're listening to this right now, you can go over to um, Power to the Ground on Facebook and you can check out that post and you can tell us um how stupid we are and um you know how wrong yeah. we got this and give us your list. Hey, tell you yeah, what, if we get enough list. if we get enough of your lists on as a comment on that post, we'll bring some of them up and we'll have a uh part 2 discussion next week. Boom. I think that's a good idea, right? Yeah. Let's get involved. If you if you want to tell me how absolutely stupid and wrong we are for how we put these lists together, well, give us your arguments for what's different, and we'll uh, we'll discuss next week. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's get to these lists. So we're gonna get, you do a little countdown. Yep. And we'll talk about why we picked that person for where they are, and just kind of move our way down. Uh, so we'll go one number at a time. One number at a time. So you'll go five, I'll go five, you'll go four, I'll go four, and we'll just work our way down we'll, the list. We'll alternate. So I'll go five, then you go five, then, then I'll you go, go four, four, you go four. There Wait, we so go. who get? As long as I get to reveal number one last. All right. Let's do <laughs> rock. Let's do rock paper scissors for who gets to go first. Ready? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. If you go five. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, no. We'll start. You start with five. No. Let's rock, paper, scissors. Let's get this. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Bam. Ah, yes. All right. You go first. So you're number five writer. uh, Number five American writer of our generation, indoor, outdoor, who you got? I got Dungy. Dungy is my number five. Um, Dungy, where he lacked in speed, he always kept up in consistency he seemed to find another gear when he absolutely needed it. I always felt like this guy was just... Uh, I, I feel like he was a mathematician more than he was a rider. Where he knew at all times where he needed to finish, how fast he needed to be, just in order to win the championship. Yeah, how far in front of this guy or, or do I need yeah. to be? Or how far behind this guy can I stay and still... And and it really was... It, it felt so calculated with him. He was never really an aggressive rider. But the thing that puts Junji above other non-aggressive riders like a guy like Muskan is he could when he needed to be. Exactly. If he was like, crap, I have to win this race or I have to top three of this race, he would get aggressive if he needed to, especially when him and Villapoto would start going at it here and right. there. Um, he could, but it wasn't his natural style. And right. I think that's what really kind of um, propelled I, him from other just consistent technical riders. Right. And that's why I put that's why I put him down at number five. Um, you know, he had he had that dynamic to him where he just always knew where he fit in and where where he needed to have the advantage in order to gain an advantage. And um I just think where he lacked was that um, uh, the afterburners. He just lacked in the afterburners, and uh, because of that, I'm not sure. That I can't put. I certainly can't put him in the top three, but I can't discount him because uh, you know results speak for themselves. All right. I mean, I will get to my more of my thoughts on Dungey because spoiler alert. Um, but my number five is not Ryan Dungey. My number five is actually Jeremy McGrath. Um, the reason I have him at number five is the imbalance. Right. Um, he has more Supercross championships than anybody, including 
Ricky Carmichael, um, at seven. Dude's won seven Supercross championships, um, but he only won one outdoor. And he really wasn't an outdoor rider. And for me, this list is about the total balance of the two, the total um, kind of consistency throughout the entire year, not just a part of the season. And while he was so dominant for, you know, seven out of eight or six out of seven, you know, Emig won the, the one in between. He had three back-to-back, then Emig won, then he had another three back-to-back. He ended up winning, like, it just, the dude just could not be stopped when he was in his prime. Um, so he was my first favorite rider. Um, when I was, you know, be- before I'd even met you, I would wake up on, uh, on, on the weekends and my little TV in my room would be just be set to a random channel and it happened to be Supercross. And I just saw this guy McGrath a week in, week out, always up there and doing all the craziest things. And I was just, I, I, I fell in love with the sport because of Jeremy McGrath. Um, and then... If he had just put it together in outdoors in any semblance of consistency more than what he did, had he been a little bit better outdoors, he'd probably be one or two. Yeah. Let's be honest. He was just that good. Um, so ab- absolutely, McGrath deserves to be on this list because of his absolute dominance, but he can't be, for me, higher than five because of his inconsistency in the outdoor outdoor realm, um, which puts him behind. Let's just continue the conversation. For me, uh, number four is Ryan Dungey. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, this dude just, it was something that he has the record for most consecutive podiums, right? Like the dude just, he, he didn't win as much as some other people had won as far as overall wins, but he was just never off the podium. And that level of consistency is I think unmatched almost ever as far as just pure consistent top five to three finishes. I, I don't think anybody that I've ever watched has been better at that straight top-level consistency. Almost. Um, he has 35 wins in Supercross total. So so the list goes just real quick So to, to kind of put it in, in a framework. Um, Jeremy McGrath is far and away the most with 72. Uh, Bubba has 50, James Stewart. Ricky Carmichael has 48. Chad Reed has 44. Villapoto at 41. So, I mean, you're talking about other other riders either on or close to being on this list, and Dungey had 35. That's not as high as you'd expect him a four-time champion to be. Right. Um, he doesn't have as many wins as James Stewart, who only had two. So it wasn't about his wins. It wasn't about his pure speed, which, like you said, I agree with. It doesn't put him in the top three. Um, but his consistency, I think, is just so unmatched. I mean, if we if I were to look up podiums, and I probably could— uh, to podiums or most top fives or consecutive podiums top fives that's he's number one on like all of those lists right? right but he's not close to number one he's got half not even half as many overall wins as jeremy mcgrath it, and um for me that keeps him down to number four gotcha so um well my number four is Jeremy McGrath. So here we go. We flipped <laughs> so we flipped flip flops so that's so, always pretty close. Um there's a couple of reasons I put McGrath over Dungey. Um one of which obviously is that supercross dominance. Um can't discount that. But also McGrath was the beginning. He was the catalyst to the um cultural change that led professional dirt bike racing to where it is now. Um, McGrath was, and 
uh, we were watching uh, um, Straight Rhythm earlier, and Jeff Emig actually said something that is very, very relevant to what I'm talking about here. Jeff Emig, uh, who has had his own personal difficulties, um, he was talking about racing in the 90s, and he said, you know, I never wanted to be a professional athlete. I just wanted to be a rock star. And that in in itself right there, Jeremy McGrath was taking this for the most part, well, at the very least, he was taking it more seriously than the people he was racing about. Ricky really changed against. that for all of the right. sport. But McGrath, you're right. I agree with, we'll call it catalyst. Yeah. So what Ricky did, Ricky changed, well, and we'll get to that, but Ricky changed the culture and the, the entire culture went with him. Yeah. McGrath did the opposite. Rick, uh, McGrath changed his own personal culture he didn't do things the same way that everybody else did and everybody just kept doing what they were doing and that's why he was so dominant and Mm -hmm. he was actually taking it seriously and showing up to races sober for the most part um so uh those two things together i i think mcgrath being the catalyst to the changes that ended up making supercross and motocross what it is now I have to put him at number four. I can't put him any higher than that because, and including Dungey, including Dungey, um, if I were to put all five of these riders on a track in their primes, uh, I think McGrath finishes last. On our on on actually, we have the same riders just in a different just in a different order. Yeah, and and I think McGrath finishes last in this. I so I agree because. These riders, and and as we get closer and closer to today, um, the riders have gotten in better and better shape and become more and more top level professional athletes. And uh, I don't know that McGrath would have been able to keep up with that level of of um, training, right? Um, and just <coughs> and just raw speed. I mean, just look at the difference. Yeah, right. When you're watching like old highlights, and even even Ricky kind of changed you know, just what we considered was fast right. at that point. So uh, you're right. I think, and that's probably why I put McGrath five as opposed to four was just, yeah, dude, dominant, dominant in Supercross. But that was in an error when he could do that by just trying a little harder. Right. Um, as far as just pure, raw, natural, not natural talent, but pure, like <laughs> just just overall potential to just to win on a consistent basis. I think he does finish last in a prime race between these five. Yeah. So my number three, because it's my turn now, right? It is your turn. It You're is number three. Turn. All right. So my number three is another Ryan. It is Ryan Villapoto. Okay. Um, Ryan Villapoto uh, um, is one of the craziest people I've ever seen in the whoop section, first of all. Um he is can we just okay i'm sorry i'm gonna cut you off real quick yeah, because one we have the same number three i'm going with you ryan villapoto so we can actually both yeah let's actually both, just just go what? back and forth here yeah let's go back and um, forth on this one with this one because we both have a ton of respect for villapoto but just real quick quick side note if you could just have not even a straight rhythm a uh a, a drag race in the whoops with ryan villapoto ken roxon and eli tomac who wins all in their prime all in their prime <laughs> All in their prime, I think. I think in order, it would go um, Villapoto, Roxon, Tomac. See, I I actually have 
Tomac Villapoto Roxon. I think Tomac's raw speed in whoops is just sometimes mind blowing. Roxon is smooth. Right. He is might be one of the smoothest whoops riders ever. Uh, Villapoto was kind of a combination of the two, um, but just when when Eli Tomac decides to get through a whoops faster than you. There's nothing you can do to get through faster than him. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to um, like when Roxon won a championship, like pre-surgery. Um, Roxon didn't won a championship. He didn't. He did not. First year, no, he didn't. He lost out to Dungey. He did. Fuck. <laughs> Roxon is not Beep. a Supercross championship. Well, cut that. Scratch that from the record. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm I'm thinking back to when he first. But it was up to it was when he was like considered. Yeah, a championship contender and competed with those guys. Right, and he did. He won quite a few races that year. If I'm, yeah, no, it came did. down to the wire. If mm-hmm. I recall correctly, and who knows if I recall correctly or not. <laughs> um, but if I'm thinking back to him pre-surgery, and he was absolutely just, just dominating in whoop section. So I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't like the way. First of all, I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there. I don't like the way that Tomac rides uh, whoops. I think I I don't think it's effective. Um, I think for the most part he gets through them very fast. But I think when he gets up, if he gets into a whoop section against a lot of the riders that he's racing against, even now, I think he's still. I think I think Tomac makes up his speed in other places other than the whoops. Is what I'm saying. I don't know, man. I feel like I just. Watching him through, we'll have to go through. You know what? Let's do this. We'll definitely let's be, have to let's go just through go through it. and walk through just whoop section highlights. Yeah, so. we'll walk. Yeah, we'll walk through just whoop section. I mean, and the only reason I can say this is because I mean, the the biggest difference between outdoor and indoor, or one of the biggest differences, there's tight turns and there's bigger whoop section and bi- bigger whoop sections. And Tomac hasn't won a Supercross championship yet, so. Uh. Well, show show me show me where the whoop sections are at fault there because I feel like that's not it's been it's been dumb mistakes it's been getting in his own mark head mark that down I in think. your notes we'll uh, talk about in the supercross sections so, we'll talk uh, we'll talk about uh, Tomac <laughs> going through the whoops Tomac going through the whoops all right Tomac is just going to be such a such a topic of conversation for us moving forward in general so yeah, I uh, can't stand him I think he's the evil emperor so. uh, I can't wait to see him win one because when he does win one I can finally say ha. He's one of the best ever. Um, so I'm sorry. Back to Ryan. I had to do that side because we yeah. just we've talked so, so much about the Ryan, whoops and it's so it's so fun to talk about. So Ryan Villapoto, he was just he was dominant. Like, uh, they were kind of see Villapoto's. He's a difficult person to talk about because of that factor of it didn't seem like he was always trying his hardest because it didn't seem like his heart was in what he was doing. And it wasn't a lot of the time. Right. So, and he retired early, but then again, so did Dungy. He, but he retired early on totally different premise than Dungy did. Dungy went out on top. Villapoto went out on top too, but he said, he was like, you know what? I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done with this over there, over here. I want to go over and check internationals and see what's going on over and there. And got wrecked. And got absolutely wrecked. <laughs> um, and I, he's just a difficult person to put on this list, but he has to be on this list, I think. I, I agree. I think... Villapoto has to be one of one of one of, and there is another person who is, but one of the just pure speed wise, one of the fastest riders I've ever seen, and that was why when it was 
when Villapoto and the so and also the reason so Dungey technically has one more overall championship, right? So they both won four indoor. Yep. And Dungey won a, a third outdoor, and Villapoto did not. There's been some injuries and some you know some other things that have happened in, in those careers. But the reason for me that Villapoto was is ahead of Dungey, even though they both have the same amount of Supercross championships, is Villapoto won all his with Dungey on the track. Right. Dungies didn't come until Villapoto retired. Right. And I am of the full belief that had Villapoto stayed for another two to three seasons, we could be talking about him right now as the seven times straight world champion Ryan Villapoto. That is had he continued possible. to put in like the same level of effort and training and had he just sucked it up and just instead of saying, Oh, I hate this and just done it and stayed, he's not that old. Right. He could be talking about because it was Dungey for the next four uh three. Um, Dungey's fourth came before Ryan Vill- Oh, Dungey's first one came on a Ryan Villapoto injury. Then Villapoto won his four in a row and retired, and then Dungey won three in a row. Um, take those three in a row and give them to Villapoto as he stayed in. So Ryan Villapoto right now, right now, is 31 years old. I think not only does he win the three that Dungey won in a row— giving him seven in a row. He might have won the one that Anderson won, and he might have even won this last year that Cooper Webb won because he's just he's not that old, and he was that good. And for that reason, he has to be ahead of, for me, McGrath and Dungy on this list because I think we got a Barry Sanders treatment with Ryan Villapoto yeah. in that we didn't get to see him finish out his prime. I think he retired at the height of his career, yeah. not on the way down. Yeah, and Dungy's, Dungy's only a year and a couple of months older than... Than Villapoto. And the, yeah, so the true might be. I'm sorry, Villapoto is only a year and a couple of months older than Dungey. So the same, the same might have, might be able to be said for Ryan Dungey in that you know we didn't get to see him finish out his prime. But again, had neither of them retired, I don't think Ryan Dungey wins another championship until Villapoto retires. That was the way things were going. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, he's 31 right now. I mean, how old is Dungey? Dungey retired. He was like 27, 27. 28. He's 29 now. Oh, he's 29 now. Right. Okay. So he's like 27. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean. Look, Dungey could probably have won the next two had he stayed in, which was why he deserves to be on the list. But Villapoto would have won whether or not Dungey was on the track. Right. <laughs> and that's the difference. Right. And I think that's why. Why? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, whose turn is it? We went. That is, uh, 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 yeah. It's I, oh, it's my turn. number two. Your number so two. So here's where I'm going to get to a little bit of controversy. Um, not because of my pick, I think because of your pick. But um, And actually, some people might disagree with the number twos too. For me, I will readily 100% fully admit that this might, might be a little bit biased. Because he is absolutely my favorite writer of all time bar none i know i said mcgrath was my first hang on let me cut you off do there. it do it by the way dick ken roxon did win the 2016 motocross championship motocross oh i'm sorry i apologize i thought we were talking supercross <laughs> thought we were talking still talking it's supercross it's all good. so we were both right <laughs> he has not won a supercross championship he did win outdoors you're all right. right you're right and that's actually a problem with the sport too. Is that it's you, broken up? It should be one up, sport, you know. And and, and yeah. outdoors is just so overshadowed. Right. Like, I, for me, that it's just as important. Yeah. For me, but well, mainstream wise, it's not. The fact that you have to go, the fact that I have to go to two different websites to find out who won motocross and, and supercross is stupid. Exactly. 
it's, I've got two different pages pulled up right now for these lists. Yeah. And uh, no, it's all right. So you're right. Roxon has won an outdoor championship. <laughs> I mean, he has not won an indoor. Okay. Boom. We're both right. No, my number two just, but he is right. He is. He does deserve to be in the top three at least. Like James Stewart is flat out bar none. And this is not the bias part. This part I have fully believe the pure fastest just raw speed rider i have ever seen on two wheels ever this guy when he was in his prime just had no when he was just he had no fear no fear which caused some issues for him you know that's why his career was so um back and forth for for some of it um so fast this guy was just he would pin it in places where you should not pin it you know, and he would just, he would launch in places where you should not launch and he would get away with it. He invented the Bubba Scrub, first of all, which you want to talk about, you know, the greatest riders of all time shouldn't just win a lot. They should help change and redefine the sport in certain ways. Um, Tom Brady is redefining, I know we keep going, but Tom Brady is redefining what being a long longevity and an efficient quarterback is a clutch quarterback means in the NFL. Um, we are, we, we're going to get to, to the other guy we haven't mentioned yet, but did Villapoto really change the sport? No. no, he was just faster than everybody else that he was racing at. Did Junji really change the sport? I think he might've had an influence on how riders approach a season long championship. And, um, so sure. Including on Tomac. Including on Tomac and how these riders don't just go for a win every single race and how they're able to manage their positions a little bit more. Sure. I think he had an influence, so he deserves to be on the list. Inventing the Bubba Scrub meant if you either figured out how to do it in the right spots or you lost, especially against James Stewart. Because right. not only was he faster everywhere else on the track, but now you're saying he's getting back to the ground faster on these jumps while maintaining his speed. What are you doing to keep up? Right. And you're talking about one of only two riders ever, coincidentally probably true, just a hint, to have perfect seasons in outdoors. And James did it twice. Yep. Twice. So now his numbers as far as overall championships flat out don't stack up. I mean, he's he's ahead of for me of Villapoto and Dungey, who both have four supercross and Bubba only has two. Yep. Um he's got three outdoor, which is the same as Dungey and one more than Villapoto. So overall, he's got the least amount of overall championships of anybody on this list and he's my number 2 because I just have never seen anybody ride like him before and since. I don't think anybody rides like he he did. And he has some of my absolute favorite memories. We talked about Unadilla in our Unadilla podcast. If you haven't listened, we you know we talk about how we fell in love with this guy as a rider um, the first year we ever saw him on, on a 125 racing against RC in the 250s yep. in the practice sessions and keeping up and passing and um, just redefined the sport and was just an absolutely iconic rider. And for me, nobody was faster. So he is my number two rider. All right. My number two is Ricky Carmichael. Oh, controversy. Ring the controversy bell. Oh, no. Yeah. So Ricky Carmichael, he's got to be He's got to be top two. Has to be. I, I, I. If anybody argues that Ricky Carmichael is not either one or two, I, I have difficulty taking them seriously. Um, Ricky Carmichael, remember we were talking about McGrath being the catalyst Carmichael was the reaction to that catalyst. So Carmichael, he 
he changed the way that um, everybody approached racing. He he took his training, his physical training seriously. He took his bike training seriously. He um, he t- tested. He started doing bike testing, um, which there were some riders doing bike testing before him, but not, not to, to the, the extent, extent that, that he, he was, was doing, doing it. it. So um, Carmichael, what he did was he literally took this from a uh, like based like an intramural sport and turned it into a professional sport and everybody else followed suit because if you wanted to be competitive you had to do what he was doing and it if you just if you didn't then you you just didn't <laughs> and um McGrath towards the end of his career kind of saw that yeah so um yeah i i think rc the goat whatever you want to call him you got to put him but you're not calling him the goat and i think that's what's so controversial about this i know that's what's controversial about this and that's why i'm going to get to my number one and explain why why he is not number one my number one is james stewart bubba stewart so nobody look carmichael he did a lot to change the game there are no stars on this list that shined brighter than james stewart he didn't do it for as long uh a lot of that came down to um injuries i mean that he was plagued with injuries and i it was anybody else as plagued with injuries on this list as james stewart no 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 and the only thing i can attribute to that is james stewart was riding on the edge at all at all times if you see you see um like awesome pictures of James Stewart coming through hairpin turns and he's dragging his handlebars through the dirt because he's got it leaned over so far. He was just always, always on the edge. And because of that, I don't think anybody, if not for those injuries, there, there's no telling what this list looks like. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So that is where I'm going to have to call you out because that is an absolute what if what if asterisk. Yep. This is James Stewart is the best writer of all time if he didn't have to deal with injuries, but his style, the way he rides naturally puts him at risk for injuries. So Fair. for me that knocks him that has to knock him down a little bit of a peg. Who on that list beats him in those two perfect seasons? I think I think Carmichael in his prime gives him an absolute oh, run for his money. No way. Absolute run for his money. No you way. are talking about and you are but you also have to look at and you might be right, because I've already said that. I think he's the fastest writer ever. So my number one, no surprise, is Ricky Carmichael, right? Yeah. And so while we're doing this, let's just get to it. Carmichael for me is number one. You have Bubba number one. And I and I hate even arguing against this, because I want to put Bubba number <laughs> one. You have to look at the total body of work. Yeah. You have to. And Bubba's total body of work was fastest rider we've ever seen in a life out and not racing because he can't stay off the ground. To me, that does not beat 12, count them, 12 combined indoor and outdoor championships in his career. How do you beat that? How? You can't. Bubba had five. Would he have had, now, we want to play the what if game? Would Bubba have had 12, 13, 14 had he just stayed up and been able to go that fast? Which one, I don't think you can go as fast as he went and also not be injured. Let's say he could. Yeah, he's number one for me. 
You don't win 12 championships by accident. You win 12 championships by being literally better than anybody else who has ever gotten on two wheels. 12, dude. Five Supercross championships, which is only obviously behind McGrath. Seven outdoor championships, including being the first to go on and uh, have a perfect season. And you remember that perfect season, right? Yeah. It was like a minute and 45 between him and second place in some of those races. It wasn't even close. Right. That is a level of dominance and consistency throughout his career that you don't... <sighs> I'm trying to think of a, of a good analogy. Like, what we're basically arguing right now is is a quick shot of, holy crap, we've never seen anything like this better than a career full of, holy crap, we've never seen anything like this, but maybe to somewhat of a lesser extent. Right. Um, I don't know. And, uh, you know, uh, this a lot of this might have to do with personal bias, and we'll go back to Steve and I saw... Um, it was the first year... It was the first year that... Uh, uh, Stewart jumped up to the premier class and we were at Unadilla and um, Carmichael and Stewart were racing and um, Stewart was flat out faster than Carmichael and to the, to such an extent that uh, Carmichael didn't finish that that year I think he was done for the rest of the year because he broke his arm trying to keep pace with with Stewart um, yeah and you you make a great point when you're talking about you know what what is more important is it the the longevity or is it the quality and if if it came down to you know you've got um the 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 longevity of it that uh Carmichael has just so many more championships than than uh than Stewart does but in my opinion, Stewart was so much faster than Carmichael was that those what ifs to me changed the entire conversation. But you can't. Oh, I can. You can't. <laughs> All right, you can. I don't think you can. I mean, if you're talking about who actually was, not who would have been the right. greatest rider of all time, and I think that's a different conversation. If you took. One season of all five of these riders mm-hmm. in their prime and said no injuries happen. Yep. Um, Stewart wins. Stewart wins that championship. And that's I, why I, I think I agree. he's the greatest rider, rider of all time. But I think it's because of his pure speed. Um, what Carmichael was able to do was take a speed that was still faster than everybody else and combine it with longevity, consistency, innovation, um, there was so much more. And so that was the other part. How do you define this? If you're talking about pure raw speed, then just whoever wins the straight rhythm might be considered the fastest rider. Like there is so much more to winning championships, multiple championships, um, and being considered some of the best ever than just how fast you are. Yeah. And while Bubba's pure raw speed made up for a lot, I have him number two on my list of greatest writers. And and this is talking about if I went back and did research, I'd still put him number two. For you know, Bob Hanna notwithstanding, like he's still one of I I can I'm right there with you. Um I don't know. I, I think I think right now you're putting Joe Montana back over Tom Brady because of you know a, a, a single season of just like you know r- r- ridiculousness of when you look at it and you say well, why is Tom the greatest of all time? Look at the, it's the body of work. 
It's the body. Oh, Joe was undefeated. Yeah, but dude won six. Like, the body of work for Bubba doesn't stack up against Ricky Carmichael as far as the pure numbers go. All right. Um, so I think what we're I think what we're doing is you and I have two uh we have two different definitions here. And what I'm hearing is um a difference between uh greatest rider resume of all time and most talented rider of all time. No, because I think I think Ricky Carmichael overall was more talented. He just wasn't as fast. Oh, I, I can't agree with that at all. <laughs> okay, and so so and, we're gonna and, have to and, agree. To and, disagree and you on might this be one. in the minority here because I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that if we put that poll out there, who was the more talented rider overall? I'm. I can promise you, you are in a vast minority of people who put James Stewart over Ricky Carmichael. And now, if that poll were to say who is the fastest rider of all time, as James Stewart hands down, I'm. I'm actually. You know, what? I'm going to put do, that poll. Let's put this poll out there because I really do. I feel like what you're saying is that just pure speed is is what matters more than anything else, and I don't think that that's the case. In all right, this, in this sport. It's so, not about just pure speed. So I'm going to put that so poll much more out there. That. I'm going to put the poll out there, and the poll is going to say, who is the more talented rider, Ricky Carmichael or James Stewart? And we'll put it out there, and we'll see what happens. And then you and I will discuss We're going to discuss the results week. next week. Absolutely. And look, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and just say, oh, flat out, you're wrong. I mean, obviously, this is all an opinion-based thing. Um, and there is an argument to be made for James Stewart as the greatest rider of all time. I just don't think it's as strong of an argument as you're making it out to be because Ricky Carmichael is um, front to back his whole career. If you were to—oh, so that was going to be my, my my other part of kind of to kind of put this. The one season thing, right? Yeah. I think James Stewart maybe, yeah. If you were to start their careers at the same time and then have them these five riders race against each other throughout their entire careers, Ricky Carmichael— wins more than James Stewart because Ricky Carmichael knows how to not get injured. He knows how to ride close enough to the edge to win without riding so close to the edge that he gets hurt. And I think if they go 10 seasons, these five riders, all in their prime from beginning to end riding against each other, Stewart wins one or two and then is injured for another four and then probably comes in runner-up because of an injury or a nagging injury that keeps him slower for a couple of seasons, whereas Carmichael probably wins eight of those. Uh, that is an incredible conversation because, <laughs> because I think Villapoto snags a couple of those too. You're, uh, ooh, okay. Sorry, I, I'm, I know I said all five, but we're really just talking like like <laughs> I'm thinking of these two. But you're right. If that, okay. So oh. if you start their careers at the same, say you start all five of these writers' careers in 2000. You include indoors and outdoors for 10 years, and they all have primes together, right? There's no overlap or changing of garden. They all have their primes start and end at the same time. Do you really not think that Carmichael wins more than everybody else? I don't, I don't know. Poto probably snags one Yo, or two. Well, well here's, here's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to agree. I think Bubba probably only wins two of them. I think they're probably perfect seasons, but he wins two of them. <laughs> Um, I don't think you any one of these guys has a perfect season against these other guys. They're all so talented. They're so, all so good. Um, Dungey probably wins maybe one championship. I don't think he wins any. 
I don't think McGrath and, and Dungy I think, even win I a championship. Think, I think Dungy wins a championship because he finishes third. <laughs> for every race. For every race. <laughs> and the second anybody else crashes out of one, he takes he first takes place. first, right. <laughs> um, I don't think McGrath I don't think McGrath wins a race. I don't I, I don't a race. A Never mind this championship. Race. A race. A single race, an indoor or outdoor. In all ten years though? In all ten years. I mean maybe one or two. But I he doesn't I, win a championship. No, I think right? he. I mean, he in this list, he's the Mike Alessi of this list. <laughs> I don't know if he's that bad, no, but he is to uh, me. That's, so yeah, but you put him before Dungey on this list. I know I did, and it's it's because of it's because of what he did for the sport. It was the implications of his career more so. So you're willing to say that you're also. This isn't just about most talented rider. It's about what that rider also did for the sport. Fair. Is that yeah. is that your point? That's my then point. Then you can't put Bubba in front of RC. I did. You can't. I did. I'm just based on your own arguments. On no. your own arguments, you like you're going against your own logic there. Well, it it is with the exception of I think Bubba was that talented that I think his talent outweighs even the implications of Ricky Carmichael's career on the the overall sport so <laughs> he was so talented i agree with you and and as far as pure speed and again i even say he invented the bubba scrub so he, yeah. he definitely had an impact on the sport in, in in certain ways if you spend half of your career injured i don't understand how you can because if you're so talented how come you got went down so much and got injured so much i can't believe i'm making an argument against my favorite rider like this but it's just so if he was so ta- if he was so overall just purely talented then how come he couldn't stay healthy it was because he it wasn't his talent it was his speed and balls to ride on the edge so much that when he didn't go down won him championships but when he did go down, cost him seasons of his career. He had more ball. You want to make a list of the ballsiest riders of all time? You put Travis Pastrana number one, James Stewart number two. No, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I don't. Th- I don't think it comes down. Uh, it, I think Stewart was so dominant in what he did. I don't think it was because just because of how ballsy he was. It's the same thing with Tomac. Tomac is he Tomac is just so much fit he is so much more physically strong than everybody else that he's riding he's the only person look ken roxon is in great shape you can look at him he's got a six-pack abs but he's a he's a small guy tomac looks like an athlete he looks like he should be running some track event in the in the olympics and that pure athletic ability helps him to throw his bike where he needs it to go and i really think that that was a big part of what of what um stewart had over everybody else that he was racing against i think he was just he was physically more talented than the other people he was racing against i agree and he was able to control even when he was at parallel to the ground he was strong enough to to keep that bike where it needed to be I 100%. think what I think the problem was is that um uh so the Stewart family is very competitive. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. Um but I I think the problem was is that he constantly had the pressure to go faster. And 
he hit optimum velocity at some point and he tried to go past that. So would you say that the mental aspect of this sport is as important to longevity, consistency, and championship winning as the physical aspect of the sport? Yes, absolutely. Okay, then that's another argument for RC over Bubba because if that was the case, if that was uh, if the case was that it was so much pressure or um, whatever that competitive nature that forced him to ride so close to the edge all of the time, then that's a knock against him in the mental aspect of this sport. Yeah, Ricky Carmichael. Knew when to pull back. Right. He knew when he had reached his limits. He knew when he to say, mm, if I do this, I am going down and it is going to hurt. Right. Uh, I don't know that James could do that. No. In I, the mental aspect of it. I don't think that. I don't think he did that at all. And, and as even, part of the total package of riders, I think that that is a knock against James. Not a huge right. one. The dude was so good. Well, I, I think just from... From looking at him, the way that Stewart had to have looked at everything is he's like, he's looking at this turn over here and he's like, you know, everybody's going to do that over there because then it sets them up, you know, it sets them up for a double on the other side. He's like, but if I do that instead, it sets me up for a quad on the other side and it's going to give me like a three or four second advantage just in that turn. Yep. And that's what he'll go for. Every time. Every time. And the smarter rider would say that three or four seconds isn't worth worth the risk of this quad. If that quad happens to be a dangerous quad, they say, mm, you know what? I'd rather do the double-double because I know I'm faster in other areas of the track and can still win this race. And winning this race is more important than hitting that quad. Right. Whereas James Stewart said, nope, I'm going for every last split second I can possibly get no matter how dangerous it is. Right. I'm not even telling you that's a wrong mentality. I love that mentality, but I respect that right. about him. But I think that is a hindrance to him being one of the greatest ever. Had he been able to just tone it, just a hair down, yeah, he loses some of that raw natural speed that we know he has. But he doesn't get injured nearly as much. And I think now suddenly you are talking about six, seven, eight championships for him. And then, okay, yeah, he, I put him up ahead, ahead of Ricky Carmichael. Um, but he couldn't do that. And that mental knack for him was his greatest strength and greatest weakness. And for me, that weakness holds him out. Boom. I still disagree. <laughs> I don't. Of course you do. And we're <laughs> going to kick it up because here's what I want to do. Um, we got to continue this conversation next week, obviously, because I think we are just really scratching the surface of, you know, what these writers have done for their sports. Um and more specifically, the top two. And, and you can probably throw Villapoto in there. I think Villapoto is closer to one and two than he is to four and five for me. Oh, no doubt. On, on this no list. No doubt. Um, and then there's a pretty big gap for me between Dungey, Villapoto, and, and McGrath and Dungey. So yeah. um, definitely want to pick this up. And I'm really hoping, if you're listening, get out there. get on the Check out the poll because we're going to put the poll out there. Look at our list. Put down your own list because I want to see what you guys think. Uh, who made the stronger case for greatest writer of all time? And now, again, we're talking about greatest. So let's define this for everybody real quick. When we are saying greatest, we're not talking about raw speed. We're not talking about just consistency. Otherwise, Ryan Dungey would be second on this list. We are not talking about just number of championships. And we are not talking about just what they did for the sport and not just what they're – it is the total package. How many did you win? How did you win them? What did you do for the sport? What is your natural speed and natural talent? All of that combined into a full total package. <clears throat> Ricky Carmichael had it all. Um, 
James Stewart had a lot of it. See, Steve, <laughs> Steve's leading this conversation. He see, he he just gave a definition that made it so that his his number one pick is the number one. How pick. is that not the definition for greatest writer of all time though? Because I think the greatest writer of all time could also be the most talented, and I think the most talented was Bubba Stewart. No, I think those are two different definitions, though. Most talented and greatest are completely different definitions. I disagree. I disagree. How are you going to discount the body of work? You're discounting the I'm body of work? I'm not discounting the yes, body Yes, you're of work. absolutely discounting it. No, because he's my number two. I didn't discount it. Yeah, but that's not a small gap between 12 championships to five. 12, dude. Nobody I else agree. is even close to 12 championships. Agree. Completely changed the sport. I agree. So I, I guess you know what? Well, I guess I will agree with you in what, and that is it's, it's the what ifism, there, that what ifism, if Bubba didn't catch a bad uh, a bad edge here or there and go down, I think Bubba would have had more. First of all, I think there's a couple of that Carmichael won there that he probably wouldn't have. I don't think. Again, if you're taking away that right, that 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 those you know, you made it seem like it was just like a couple of bad luck things. But he, he the nature of of well, Stewart's writing is what caused that. But if you take that away, in you take sport, away some of his speed. In this sport, though, you have to admit that luck plays injuries. A part. Well, no, no, it's not even that luck plays a part. Injuries snowball. So you you don't just have one injury and then come back and oh everything's great again. You usually break your arm and have to have 26 surgeries and then come back the next year and break your other arm and then have to have a handful more surgeries. We are gonna, so we are going to totally get to pick up this conversation next week. Um, and, in fact, you and I are probably going to continue this conversation throughout the week. Yes, we uh, are. As, as at work and, uh, and through text. Uh, because So here's what – I think you know what we're going to do first next week? Here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to say – we have to agree gonna, on a definition. We have to all. agree on a definition because that's where we're getting we're getting mixed up. I agree that James Stewart is the most talented, pure, talented writer of all time. Definitely the fastest. Um, but when you're talking about greatest, I know it's such an like ambiguous word, but greatest for me encompasses everything. Okay. Everything. And when when I think encompassing everything you can't not have Ricky Carmichael as number one for me personally. So okay. we'll continue that. Let's redefine it. Let's get some uh, listener feedback for sure. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find us, give us your top five writers. And since our listeners might not be um, from a similar generation, let's call it of the past uh, 25 years. Yeah. That'll put us at about mid nineties. Yeah. Right. Right. Perfect. Right. Right. As right. As McGrath was really taken off. So the best, your top five best U.S. writers of the last 25 years, indoor and outdoor. Give us your top five because I, want, I think that's going to really help contribute to the discussion. Tell us which one of us you think is crazy because we all know it's Jesse. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Somebody's getting tagged in the later. Oh, that's not going to be fun. All right. What a, uh, that was a lot of fun. I knew, I knew we were going we to have it out here. Yep. Uh, we knew that this was going to be such a, uh, a fun, fun topic to discuss. And I can guarantee not only next week, but just in general, this will not be the last time we have these talks, especially if Tomac starts winning. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, you got anything else for these guys, sir? Find us on Facebook. Our, uh, we're putting a lot more stuff up on our Facebook now. So, um, yeah, feel free to engage with us up over there. Uh, 
I have a the Steve's top five list up there. I'm gonna have the poll um, for who is the um, more talented rider. Uh, keyword talented. That's well, what, what, uh, that was what we agreed on. I said it earlier. You agreed to it. You said I think you're gonna be surprised when you put who is the more talented rider. Uh. Uh, all right. All right. So yeah. Uh, okay. Find us all on right. Facebook. Fine. Fine. Most talented provider poll. I'm I'm okay with it. I still think even if I now had shifted to Bubba being more talented, I think that uh, the poll is gonna prove us both to be in the minority there. Okay. We'll continue. So <laughs> so yeah. Find us on Facebook. Um, um, we're putting a lot more stuff up there. We're probably gonna go back to uh, doing some um, live video while we're doing the uh, the recording of the podcast pretty soon. So be looking for that. Don't forget to subscribe um, both to our podcast, wherever you're listening to us now, and also to our mailing list on our um, website. So power the number two, theground.com. Yeah. As it, all right. So that's all you got, sir. That's all I think I got, that's man. all I got. I really hope you guys kind of get involved on this discussion because this is always so much fun. Um, I might even jump on my personal Instagram and jump on and start arguing with you guys if you start getting going with this. If you guys agree with Jesse, I'm just going to let you know you're all wrong and you're going to hear it from me, okay? <laughs> because you can't put Ricky Carmichael not number one on the greatest list of all time. I'm ending with that. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.